overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. On our last episode of Embarrassment of Riches, we started our interview with Pastor Aaron. We'll pick up where we left off as Aaron tells us about one of the most difficult seasons in his life. Usually we ask a guest, um, like kind of like a, a, a period of struggle and then like what God's taught you through that. And we usually let the guests select that, mm. but, um, uh, we're not, we're, we're, we're going to select it for you. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're presenting this like it's a gotcha moment. No, it's not. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But I, but I'm like, I do, I think, um, it's sometimes we, we, we tease Annie because sometimes Annie will say something like really obvious, like, like she'll, she'll like basically describe your whole life to you and go, does that sound true to you? And it's like the truest thing that you've ever heard, but she says it with like this great humility. Like, does that sound true? Um, I, I think that there can be no doubt that this was one of the deepest struggles, deep, hardest part periods of your yeah. life, um, was the crap show that was 2020. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, we're picking it for you. <laughs> does that feel true to you? <laughs> yes. Does, oh my gosh, you nailed me. You're so prophetic. Does it feel true to you? I mean, I don't want to pick it for you, but does that feel true to you? Like maybe that year was one of the hardest years of your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And it was, um, you know, coming into DBC, it was that was another one of those God things where I was like, I could clearly see His hand in it, and we felt confirmations. And really, for the first. I guess that was five years. Um, I felt like I was kind of flying on cloud nine. It just like elated every single day. I couldn't believe I get to be there and things that, you know, the people at DVC are just so kind and they're nice. And, you know, it's like, it, I heard all kinds of horror stories coming into past senior pastor ministry of always being targeted and a lot of dysfunction and how that could play up to you. And I was like, I was expecting a lot of different things that Especially never... stepping into a church where the the your preceding pastor had yeah. been there for decades. Yeah, I was very insecure about that. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. So you know, I I do battle a lot of insecurity, and uh, that was a that's a big thing. I remember coming into that, I was like, Lord, can I really pastor a church? And I was like, I knew I've been waiting for this. I I knew with clarity that's where He was taking me. But I got into a point where I'm like, I love Northwest Bible Church. I like my job. We're comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is good. I love these people I get to be with all the mm-hmm. time. And and uh, and then when he's moving us out, I was like, okay, but can I can I really do this? I mean, you know, DBC at the time, I think the average age was closer to 65, and I was mm. very insecure about being a young 35 year old coming in and being like, these people have been walking with Jesus for as long as I've been for twice as long as I've been alive and they know more, they're Mm. more godly. I look up to them. These are the people that I respect. Mm -hmm. And, uh, who am I to go and to provide any leadership there? Mm. Um, and so, you know, I walked in with a lot of 
fear and insecurity and then a lot of, okay, God, you're going to have to take, I see your hand. I got to trust you in it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, man, like, and it was such a, it's such a loving church. Like Hal Habeck, if you got a chance to know, Hal's one of the most affectionate, kind and loving people. And you could see that f- those fingerprints kind of all throughout the church, hugs and affection and kindness. And uh, you know, I, I never got the emails. I never got the angry things. Mm-hmm. They were probably behind my back and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> this young um, whippersnapper. <laughs> no, they were definitely there, but you know, they didn't make its way to me. And the Lord protected me from a lot of that kind of pain immediately. And so, yeah, 2020 happened, and um, you know, uh, for the longest time it was okay. You know, it was inconvenient. We're doing online church. I'm like, oh man, all right, we're a you know, I'm a televangelist immediately. Mm-hmm. We're on TV and we're doing, you know, recordings and... Which is just so, I mean, like the 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 baseline of that is sad and you miss people and there's just le- less built-in connection. And it happened, it happened overnight. It mm-hmm. happened just, that was the, the really sad thing. And it was thing. unprecedented. And That's right. It was unprecedented. Well, luckily was... Mattress Giant was there for us. What now? Remember those commercials? Like oh, yes. all the commercials yes. in these unprecedented times. Yes, yes. Mattress Giant is here for you. Like everybody <laughs> capitalized on the unprecedented. Everybody was I'm glad you remember that. That must have made quite an impression on you. Well, it did. It just, I just really felt in these I felt unprecedented heard times and seen by Mattress Giant. Come get a wow. Come get yeah. dinner God from Chili's. God is Chili's. working through the Mattress Giant. There you yeah, have it. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it happened overnight, and at first, it's a novelty. You know, everybody's doing online church, and as long as you weren't impacted by COVID, you know, people are kind of ex- enjoying a little bit of the home time, probably the family time, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you start hearing about, oh my gosh, there's eco- economic collapse, and there's people losing jobs, and there's people that are living in isolation. And you start hearing the stories that are going on, and, you know, it's uh, like that was really, really uh, tough and sad. And, but then you start seeing the body respond and start mobilizing and care teams and being creative in the ways that they reached out to people. And you're going, this is fantastic to be able to see those, those elements over there. But then, um, yeah, it got, it got tough when, uh, it kept going on and on and on and mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And then the things became mm-hmm. politicized. Well, and then me- mm-hmm. I, I was uh, at one point, um, like I'm going to say George Floyd, um, yeah. like that happened. And when that happened, I, I, I remember telling Kyle, we have like this rule in our, in our house, like no arguments start after 10 PM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just don't go well. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but I remember when that happened, I was like, this feels like a really serious conversation that's happening after 10 PM. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're all tired. Mm-hmm. We're all exhausted. We're all scared. We're all angry. Everybody's yeah. spent. Everybody spent. You're saying like, let's run a marathon now. Yes. And how about like, let's let's go deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, and we did go deep, and it was a, you know, there was tension. It, obviously, the racial tensions have been around forever. They're sure. not brand new, and it didn't happen. Didn't begin with George Floyd, and um, obviously there were things that happened in Dallas. I think it, I think it was 2016, and that really. I joined a group of people. We've been talking about race relations with pastors and stuff and really understanding, you know, what's happening in South Dallas, what's happening in different parts of the Dallas is not right here in North Dallas and helping everybody understand what's going mm-hmm. on um, and some of the racial tensions that were going. So that was happening for years. Sure. And, uh, and then it came to a head, obviously, at George Floyd. And when George Floyd happened, I talked with 
um, most of our black families, individuals in our church. And I reached out to them and talked and, and heard about how they were processing. And all I heard was just, uh, I mean, there's massive disruption, massive disruption overwhelmingly across the board with everybody I talked with, um, sadness, um, cause it's been, it's been building and building and building. It's something that they've lived with for a really long time. And, uh, and so, you know, everybody in the, everybody in the country, even in sports radio is talking about race and stuff that, that week. And I'm going, yeah, look, if we can't talk about it from the front, mm-hmm about what God says on these matters and how we as an overwhelmingly white church and uh, what our role in that may be, like, what are we even doing? The word of God speaks to these things. Sure. And uh, we have to talk about these things. And so, um, and so, yeah, you know, I preached about that. And it and wasn't the first time you had ever preached about no, it. No, like, it wasn't the I first like time I preached about it. to highlight. It wasn't like a... I, I don't it's know. interesting though because every other time I mention it, it's like oh way to go you know that mm-hmm. was so brave right on we're with you all these things mm-hmm. and but there's something about the timing of everything right and that just it flipped it was it 11 flipped. p.m. <laughs> it was 11 p.m. I remember but, pa- I remember Pat Mooney saying it just feels like the perfect storm it's the perfect storm and that was kind of the nationwide response mm-hmm. I, you know I'm in pastor networking groups here in Dallas and on calls and stuff around the country. And you hear what's going on. And that was everybody's experience. And, you know, quite honestly, it's like the pastors that didn't say anything, they got killed. Mm. The ones who said, um, people were getting killed on every single side of things. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the pastor experience at that time. Uh, I mean, I know people that said far more than I did, and, you know, the churches that are far right leaning and the ones that are far left leaning, they were OK because they were already politicized and they were mm-hmm. already out there. And that's kind of what the, the church was all about. The ones that don't go political as far as a left or a right, um, you know, the ones that are kind of saying, hey, look, these are the biblical issues and political parties. Guess what? The word of God contradicts both of our political parties. Mm-hmm. And granted, yeah, there's there's reasons to vote a certain way, of course. But. Um, if you're being fair to scripture and allowing it to contradict both parties, ain't and nobody stuff, doing right. Nobody's mm-hmm. doing right because it was, it, and it did become or so left. politicized there. <laughs> nice, well done. Oh, good. I, you know, I love puns. I don't. <laughs> that was good. But yeah, every so every pastor there that I knew uh, was dealing with much the same thing. Which, if I'm getting, I, I don't. I, I feel like that would be just like. <laughs> the enemy's playground to want to take a church that's balanced and, yeah. and, and that isn't far right or far left leaning, right. but that's balanced and, and, and represents lots of different worldviews. Even mm-hmm. if it's, we're not a super diverse ethnically church. Yeah. Um, that it's like that for a church that does, that is balanced and, and representative of, probably more of one party than the other, but still mm-hmm. of b- m- lots of both. Oh yeah. Um, that that would be a place that, um, the enemy just, that the enemy would, would want to mess yeah. up that yeah. would want to cause disunity. Is disunity yeah. a word? Disunity? It is. It is. Like, it is. Or at least we approve of it okay. as a word. Thank you. But I, 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 I remember that summer just feeling like, 
sort of devastated, like, <laughs> right? Because yeah. this is on top of this happening and where everything's remote. Like, I, I mean, I think that was part of it. It was like all of these conversations were happening virtually. Like, yeah, that's the worst part. We couldn't, we couldn't have any of these conversations face to face. And so that made it a thousand times worse. It's like when I can sit with you and look you in the eyes, mm-hmm. it's like, I remember, oh yeah, you're human. Oh yeah. I remember we've got a history here mm-hmm. and I'm not going to the you furthest extremes. Yeah, I don't like hate you, like you and things like that. You. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was missing. You're right. It's a perfect storm of a lot of different things that was taking place at the same time. And, uh, and it was, it was really, it really was sad. scary to like, as a, as a, member of the church, I think it was scary because we, I, I thought, is this... Because you this love the break, church. I love the church. Is yeah. this going to break us? Like, is this going to break us? Yeah. Um, what do you What do you see God doing in, 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 in all of that? Like, yeah, I thought that it was a... Um, you know, I, I thought that it was a, it's a pruning time for the Big C Church. And that was one thing that I kept coming back to a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, God prunes healthy things all the time and disrupts them. Right, we we see disruption take place that feel painful to people in the moment, but disruption being a good thing in His plan of redemption long term, and so I saw it as a pruning thing, a healthy pruning going on, and um, you know I know that one of the problems in American Christianity is cultural Christianity. Mm. It's this, it's a the not real Christianity. It's it's Christianity by association and you know, that kind of a thing. And so we know that that's always been an issue. And I was like, okay, I felt like that this was a season where God is going to be pruning, especially a lot of the, 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 the surface level stuff. But then even with the, the real believers, and I I think that's what we saw at DBC, there's a lot of real healthy stuff, but pruning was still taking place. Mm -hmm. And so there was a loss of people and these people were godly, wonderful people that I cared for and loved big time. And so pruning is not cutting off the fat, if you will, or something like that. It's shifting it up. It's mm-hmm. blowing it up to produce something different in the end. Well, I think that pr- that was a lot of it. And pruning is, is how you graft, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that and was expand. a big part of it. Yeah. There's a lot of... <laughs> and so you saw the disruption take place. And again, you can't really grab hold of it at the time because so much was online and people weren't really coming back in the building at that time. Uh, we were open, but um, very few people were coming back at that time. And so you couldn't really see what was going on. You couldn't have those conversations with people face to face. And so I think that was part of what was going on. I think that um, it was pushing people. I think there's been, we needed to have the race conversation. Absolutely. We needed to have that. And we always have to. It's a biblical matter. People kept saying, you got to get back to the gospel while I was in a Romans series preaching through the gospel every mm-hmm. single week. You got to get back to the, you're off topic. And so I'm like, talk to me about how unity in the body of believers mm-hmm. and reconciliation between white communities, brown communities, black communities. Like, tell me how that's not central to what we do. Like, we will, we will be known by our love for one another. Sure. This is a love matter. This is a unity matter. And for us in North Dallas who are, majority white church, you have to be aware of the matters that are going on culturally, how our specifically black brothers and sisters are processing some of the things that are taking place. And you have to know how to love them. And you have to learn how to care for them and understand what's going on. Otherwise, what in the world are we doing? 
Sure. And, and so it's like, I felt this big burning conviction. We have to talk about this. It was not the first time I talked about it, but this is the cultural moment. We step in and we have to talk about reconciliation. What is your role? Because you're looking on social media and you're seeing, in, well, in, maybe not well, in, I don't know what the intentions were, but you're seeing overwhelmingly white believers, you know, just trash what's going on over here. You're seeing a lot of minimization. You're seeing a lot of blame shifting. You're seeing a lot of this, that, and the other. And you're seeing this, you know, the black community overwhelmingly through personal conversations, not my judgments, them sitting there kind of going, they don't even want to listen. Mm -hmm. They don't even want to listen. They don't even care to understand. This isn't just George Floyd. This is decades and decades. This is centuries. This has been Mm -hmm. our whole experience. And yes, praise God, we are better than we were back in the civil rights movement and back in the right back in the Civil War and and during the slave sure, periods and stuff like that. Praise God, there's progression. We haven't arrived, right. and mm-hmm. we should not be satisfied with where we are. And we have to keep pressing forward, understanding, listening, entering in with compassion, making apology where there needs to be apology, not in this. You know, <laughs> the conversation is so whack. It's just crazy right now. But, um, well, it's kind of like saying, you know, I've grown enough. I've grown enough in my faith. I think I'll stop here. Well, I don't want to, those were actual comments. Those are actual comments. (laughs) Those are actual comments that were said to me. Like I've moved far enough down this road. I'm this age and you're telling me there's still more to grow in. Mm. I'm like, you're not dead yet. I know we are always growing. Yeah. No, you haven't arrived. I had a conversation with my amazing 96-year-old grandma last week. Um, yeah. And she was talking about what God's teaching her. And Amen. how she's learning and growing still. And that's it. I get I get those letters, too. I, like Some of the most godly saints in our church are in their late 80s, early 90s, and they're giving me their notes and telling me what God's mm. teaching them and how they're growing. And I'm like, praise God for this. Mm-hmm. What but then you, you got oh, go some others just that, that uh, were like, they're tired of it. You know, and they got tired. They got point, and I get it. Like it's a, it's tough. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. It's tough, and there are radical messages that are associated, a lot of times with the racial conversation, that I think is very unhealthy and unbiblical as well. Mm-hmm. And people get exhausted mm-hmm. by that end of things too, and so it all gets lumped into the same mm-hmm. basket. And they're like, don't even bring me anything about it. Yeah. And in that attitude, you create further separation Mm -hmm. when we are supposed to be a body that's one and together under the banner of Christ. One of the Uh things that I think would be incredibly hard for me as as a human being and as um, you know, we're like Enneagram, you know, whatever, like as a as a seven, I'm not real careful with words. Mm -hmm. That's not my that's not my strong suit. I say what pops into my head. It's sometimes appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually true. It often can be said better. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what did you learn in, in that time? Like what, what did you personally learn in that time? Like what was the growth point for you with God? What was God teaching you? And I was going to, I'm going to piggyback on that. Just like, and how, how were you, how were you doing in that time? What what were you oh. learning about yourself and how are you doing? <laughs> I have oh, to ask gosh. the therapist question. How were you feeling, Aaron? I was yeah. feeling sad. I was feeling broken. Mm. I was feeling a lot of misunderstood. Things of, uh, misunderstood. I was feeling sad. I was feeling very sad mm. that I really thought that. And by the way, I'm talking about a very small segment of the church that reacted sure. negatively. 
overwhelmingly, after, after my personal sermon and message and stuff, overwhelmingly the response that I got from people was exceptional. We're mm-hmm. with you. Amen. Preach. Go. We want to understand. Like My message essentially was how to be reconcilers, mm-hmm. you know, how to enter in and be agents of reconciliation. You humble yourself. You listen to others. You do the work of biblical justice, not political justice, all these other things. And so overwhelmingly that was the message. But I came out of that and, um, you know, uh, I think there's a couple things that, oh, you're asking how I, how I felt, mm-hmm. but, um, I felt sad because I really thought, uh, I thought there was a segment that rejected it. And I was like, ah, we're missing the opportunity to rise above and to keep mm-hmm. pressing into, uh, what God would have us be as reconcilers. Mm-hmm. We need to be a multi-ethnic church that actually reflects our community. Mm-hmm. And we're not right now. We're not. And a lot of that is my fault. And some of the, my, there's some, there's elements there, but you know, it's, we're never going to be, you know, perfectly divided up, but we can better reflect well, our, and I don't our even, actual community I, and stuff. And, you know, there's some influence you can have there and there's some you can't, but I think yeah. your, your hope was just, let's at least be better listeners. Let's right. at least be open to something humble, that reflects let's humble, God's let's creation. Listen. Let's enter in with mm-hmm. compassion. Like I went on and had all these conversations with people of color in our church, in my community, walking around and stuff, and just incredible conversations, just sitting and listening to people and hearing their stories. And there was so much healing and oneness and love shared in that context. And uh, that's what I was hoping for in a lot of ways. And a lot of people gained it. A lot of people were there, and they're like, yes, amen, we're there, we're with you. Mm-hmm. And this was before all the critical race theory stuff came mm-hmm. out. And so, you know, it got hijacked, in my opinion, politically big time afterwards. Mm-hmm. People made it left versus right and all these things. Uh, critical race theory got brought into it. And, of course, critical race theory has all kinds of massive problems and stuff mm-hmm. with their solutions to something that we agree is a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it is. It's a natural um it's a natural, it's basically a human solution to something that we all see as a problem. Sure. Christians would address that problem a different way. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, we agree that it's a problem and mm-hmm. we want solutions. And so mm-hmm. everything got lumped in with critical race theory. We're sure. like, we're not critical. Like there's like critical racist theory is horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt sad. I felt really sad. I was like, I wanted you to come along. Were you, I wanted did you us feel lonely in that season? Like, Oh, very. Yeah. It was, um, so that was probably, uh, I've always dreamed of being able to retire at DBC one day, you know, some point late long down the road, uh, to be able to go out, um, you know, momentum. And that was the first time I wondered if I would even have that choice. Hmm. And, uh, I was like, that may not be a reality. You know, may not be wanted, may not be, you know, we may be really far apart. I can't gauge this. I didn't know how big it was or anything well, oh, like yeah. that, and how big the rejection meeting, was. And there's a bunch I'm of just people, hearing gossip. I'm hearing gossip right. and, and rumors and stuff. And there's a bunch of people stuff. just in their homes thinking their own thoughts that That's you it. have no mm-hmm. idea what they're thinking. Yeah. And I'm getting all kinds of encouragement and stuff here. And then uh, you start hearing, we, it was really, it started a couple weeks after the message and stuff. And there was a lot of other turmoil kind of wrapped up in that mm-hmm. that was kind of outside of my control a little bit. And, um, but yeah, so I felt, I felt sad, felt, um, 
lonely in a sense. And this is where you, you asked some, what I would do different and what I learned in it. And Perfect Storm, I had been in these race conversations for three or four years now, talking with pastors and people in the conversation and living it out in their life. And so I was very comfortable with this. And I had gone into, uh, there's a book called Be the Bridge. It was a small group curriculum when we first started engaging it. And in the context of a small group, it's a biblical lens of how to do racial reconciliation. Some of the language used in it is some of the language shared by critical race theory. Um, that wasn't known at the time, but you read it. And I remember going through the curriculum. I was like, ooh, this is kind of, this is offensive. I don't know that I fully agree with all this. Mm-hmm. But in the context of the small group, we're utilizing it. We're looking at scripture and we're talking about some really powerful things and it's a very fruitful time in this group. Um, and so this came out, the book was written about it and I had done all this work in race conversations for about four years. I had not brought the elders into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not had them read a book. Honestly, I hadn't read the entire book. I'd gone through the small group curriculum mm-hmm. and, um, and I was able to deal with the, hey, I agree with this. I disagree with this. This is offensive, but guess what? It's a bigger, it's a bigger deal to listen and understand and to you know, enter in with some compassion here and to be able to be a reconciler. Mm-hmm. So I could push through some of the things that I personally was not feeling right about. Which is a fair process. Like we, we, we have the freedom to pick and choose out of like a book like that to go, hey, I like this, don't like this. Right. Like this feels extreme. This feels like a more balanced approach. I'm cool with you know. And so I was okay. I was okay. Right de- I was that. okay dealing with that a little bit. And um, but when time came to preach, I recommended it, called mm-hmm. people to it, and uh, I did not loop the elders in on that, and they hadn't been a part of that, and so they are feeling very much like what just happened, and which was, again, wasn't a problem until people started reading some of the stuff and some of the language is very triggering. Mm. And um, and I've tried to nuance it as much as I could. Hey, you're not going to agree with everything. Do it in the context of a group. Mm-hmm. Come in with humility. You don't have to buy, you know, I did all the nuancing, but I don't think the nuancing was, an, I was very naive to think that that was going to be enough. enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, you can't nuance things like that. You You, you just can't. It doesn't get received. And, um, it's, they heard the endorsement, not the nuance. Right. And so, uh, and so, you know, I would, I would do that over again, different. Um, I, you know, I've prayed through my message and looked through, I've got a transcript and I would preach that message again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I felt really confident about that. And, uh, um, I felt like it was done in love and grace and, uh, and, uh, but you know, there was, there was turmoil that came, it sounded critical race theory in the, in the book and in the, in the book that I had recommended. And so then all the understanding about what critical race theory is, the backgrounds, all of that comes to light and you're learning about it and reading about it. And you're like, well, that's not where I'm coming from. That's not anything that I promoted or said or anything, mm-hmm. but again, it all gets lumped into the same basket. Well, and that I think to me was kind of what I was saying was that like a lot of times, like that that's the careful language <laughs> like yeah. like that like uh that 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 is like that's for me a struggle point is that like often i mean one thing you're hearing something yeah. very different and that's one of the things yeah. that's taken place a lot of the language has 
the definitions evolved and kind of changed over the years. And so it's like, look, it, depending on where you come from and <laughs> yeah, you could say words like, uh, even racism. I mean, right. racism has systemic undertones and stuff today. Whereas in the past it would, it would have been like, do you hate people of color or not? Mm -hmm. Do you think less of them or not? Right. And it's that simple and that black and white. It's got a lot more depth and nuance to it today. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, you know, would have, uh, would have been a lot more careful about that. But at the same time, I came out of that and, and um, it was like, that's, it's a conversation we have to have. And then the politics of end of it hijacked everything to the point mm -hmm. where some people couldn't hear the word justice anymore without it going to justice as the progressives mm -hmm. define it and this, that, and the other, you know what I mean? And so you preach a message about biblical justice mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, well they're the social justice warriors over there and that's not who we are. And mm -hmm. so it, get, it all gets lumped into the same camp. Where Where's the gospel? Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is, you want to read, you want to read scriptures? Mm -hmm. I was like, let's read through this thing. Let's see how much he talks about justice mm -hmm. and let's see how talk about how much he talks about uh, all these different matters. I was like, this is the word of God. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about that. You cannot abandon words like justice. You have to define it biblically. And then mm -hmm. that kind of blew over and then... <laughs> Kind of blew over a little Wait, bit. Wait, what's the then? Yeah. Well, then we came back and we had other battles. Oh, right. Yeah. 2020 was just rough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was rough. And pastors all over, all my networking group, I mean, they said somewhere around like a third of the pastors, I mean, people uh, people were being, people were quitting. I mean, I have friends and senior pastors that were just like, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. People getting fired left and right. People I've looked up to in the faith retiring early being like this is done and nuts and i'm meeting with all these people these retired pastors are like this is the most bizarre crazy year of ministry we've ever seen in our lives well and i i'm just thinking about kind of like walking that balance of like do not give up gathering to people's safety and how because yeah. our church is more maybe not diverse in color, but our church is more diverse politically than a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. That was a unique position for Dallas Bible too, to kind of straddle like that and try to navigate yeah. coming back. And what does that look like? We're, yeah. How do you do it? Maybe and... more like us, a lot of, I'm using air quotes, progressive churches, like maybe politically progressive churches might be more, very much more cautious. Yeah. And then uh, there's, you know, there's churches that never stopped get like get, that's right. There's gathering. a there's a yeah. spectrum of of what you know. Our big question was always like, all right, what's we 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 need to be responsible, but we've got to love our community. We need to maintain a strong witness. We need to be uh, we need to cooperate with the rest of people that are trying to be on the front end of ending this thing. We care about life. These are some mm -hmm. values. We're like we care about life. We have compassion. We. Um, we care about all life and, uh, and we want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Uh, we did believe it is a problem, but we understood well, it's a complex problem. Sure. I mean, Brad Kutrell is one of the leading epidemiologists mm -hmm. in Dallas. He's in our church and he's sitting there kind of going, look, we're, we're, re we're learning about it. We're studying it right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not consistent with how it plays out. Mm -hmm. Some people die and some people cough once, mm -hmm. you know, and you're mm -hmm. like, how do you handle the complexity of that? Yeah, you know, they didn't teach us that in seminary. And, uh, you know, 
that one didn't give me a whole lot of a headache. Because uh, well, quite honestly, well, I think most people... God had already people... flexed your muscles that summer before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, this is a cakewalk compared to... <laughs> this is a cakewalk. And honestly, the people at DBC, I'm sure there was a lot of grumbling behind the scenes and there was probably a lot of grumbling, but... <laughs> It, it didn't come, they didn't, they didn't shoot it at me. They probably shot it at the elders and other people. Um, if there was grumbling about COVID, I got very little about COVID mm-hmm. though. And most people understood the complexity of it. And they're like, look, there's, there's not no a black, there's, there's not this. a perfect not way a out win. of this. And we're yeah. trying to do our best to discern how do we love people well? Mm-hmm. And then you got a vaccine coming out and you're like, okay, people have a responsibility. People have an ability to protect themselves in different ways. And you're like, well, masks are only somewhat effective, maybe, uh, but they do a little bit. And you're like, it's just, it was just really, really messy. And you're just trying to do your best. And um, it wasn't perfect. But there, but again, I have pastors that had like no protections and pastors that held off forever. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Everybody, there was disruption in every one of the situations. Yeah. And so I'm just um, like, thank God in the children's ministry, I'm no longer um, taking people's temperatures. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they walk through there. Oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were like, a Don's got me zapping people's foreheads, and that yeah. thing didn't even work. P.S. It's it like people were like, I'm like, your your temperature is 92.2 degrees. You're 47 degrees. You're dead. <laughs> you are dead. I'm so sorry like, to inform okay. you, your child is dead. I, I hate to tell you this, but someone get one of those. As, like aluminum blankets because yeah. this kid is in shock. <laughs> uh, opinions are like armpits. Yeah, everybody's got one, and usually they stink. <laughs> Except for he doesn't say armpits; he says another body part. That's way cruder. Um, yeah. But so I think you you are you're you're so many roles as a lead pastor, where you're the lead pastor, you're the teacher, you're a sounding board sometimes, you're a leader of staff. Like you're still a human being mm-hmm. and husband and father. And, um, I can just, and I, I'm really not trying to be too counselory, but just that your mental health would yeah. have been struggling in that time. Yeah. Um, it was, so a, how did it you... was a roller coaster. Yeah. It was a roller coaster. And fortunately it was interesting how the Lord prepares things. But right before COVID happened, I felt compelled to go reach out to my counselor and I found a new counselor who's a retired senior pastor hmm. that would know me and get and, and so I, I was like, Hey, I'm not coming to you for any particular reason. I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. And I just want to give you permission to ask me stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I need to ask. Probe. I was like, just ask probe, probe. push on mm-hmm. me. I was like, I want you to expose me, see if I'm healthy and see if there's uh, blind spots that I'm not paying attention to. And so I met with him right before COVID. COVID happened, and I was like, praise God that I've got that rhythm built in. Mm-hmm. And so I kept talking with him and seeing. And again, for the longest time, it was okay. We were dealing with things okay. Then George Floyd happened, and then all the stress and the pressure and everything else really, really amplified a lot. And it was a roller coaster. So part of that was I continued to go see the, the counselor, Um and I have good friends and good community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I am, you know, I have an incredible amount of respect and gratitude for Brad Cutrell. Mm. Uh, while he was on the forefront of battling this disease, researching it in the hospital and um, seeing people die left and right and seeing the, the beds not, not having enough beds and like all of the trauma that he's dealing with. Uh, he came over to my house repeatedly 
just mm-hmm. sat on my front lawn across and just listened and prayed. Um, so how did I get through it? Well, there, you know, there's, there's great people. Mm-hmm. There's some really great people. I have a fantastic wife who is really, really strong and, um, uh, she prays and she encourages. And so she was with me the mm-hmm. entire time. And, you know, there, quite, there was a lot of nights we just sat there and we just cried. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, friends leaving the ministry, but honestly it was the people that left. Um, I think there might be this impression that I'm glad they left or something like that. And, Every person hurts. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, there was no joy in any of it. Mm -hmm. No joy in it at all. Um, I wanted every person to stay. Even the ones who said some really horrific things. Um, (laughs) I loved them. I I wanted them to stay. I wanted us to to be a body, and uh, and you know that was there was a lot of tears in that. And then it was a roller coaster, and so there would be really down times, and then there would be the coming back to the Lord and saying, "God, I need you. Mm. I need you." And I would do this. Here's my burdens. A lot of times I would write them out, and I need you to take them. Mm-hmm. And I learned that. Okay, I can't just do that once a week. That's got to be like a, mm-hmm. a daily practice of mm-hmm. God. Here's what I'm carrying, and I don't want to go through the motion, the motions of of saying that I'm giving them to you. I need to really, I need you to really take them. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of that, and God was faithful to do that, and He would bring me out of it, and I would find joy again, and I would find, you know, uh, I'd find the new things that God was doing, and. God brought our elder board through a lot of lot of pain, and obviously there was disruption there when they're figuring out what did you bring, what did you get us into, <laughs> and uh, we know. thought this was a Monday meeting. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, we laugh about. Well, they probably cry about it and curse it, but I, I'm like, I recruited some. Of the, I was like, yeah, we meet for a couple hours and we pray for people and we do these things, mm-hmm. and they're like, this is not what you told not us. Elder board was you like. sold us a. I was like, well, I didn't know this was the thing. <laughs> this is- who and was so, to say? Yeah. Well, and no I idea. think it's it, it it's it, it's so neat to look back in the on the like map that Jesus has made for us and go. I learned early, and I really believed it yeah. that what I'm sacrificing, and I'm saying you, I t- I took way longer to learn it than you did, but <laughs> that what I'm sacrificing, what I'm giving up, what I'm holding true to. Because you were preaching what you felt like God was telling you to preach, yeah, and what yeah. was what what the Bible said. So, it Jesus is worth it. That's right. It's worth it, even though this sucks. Yeah. It, um. As 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 you're talking about that, and I can see like how it pains you. Um. Um. Like the the families that we lost through mm-hmm. that th- through this, and like I think what was like hard like as a, as a member of the church that knew some of those people and and it's like, who has like dear respect for you and love and dear respect and love for some of those families, like how, like we can sometimes 
see things differently. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like how, I mean, like when I was, I was trying, trying to project emotions that you might feel, I was like misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) like, uh, and I, I, but I, I think like what's to me, like what's, what's so, what's so painful in that is, um, is, 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 is sometimes, or, and not, it's one of the things that's painful is, is, is to be misunderstood. Right. Like, um, I've, I've joked with, with Laura, I think I've, I'm sure like that I've, I've, uh, I've said, I want my epitaph to read. She meant well. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, and if you think I'm joking, you don't know me at all. That's awesome. Like, but I actually do like that. I'm like, I, first of all, I think it would be hysterical for anybody that knew me to see that on my, on my tombstone, they would be, they would like just die. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's so Jessica Denny. Right. Like, yeah. um, she meant well. Um, but like, uh, like there's an element where I'm I, like, as I hear your heart on that whole story, like what I think, what, what I think resonates with me is my goodness, Aaron Armstrong meant well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's something. That's not nothing, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not nothing. Well, and, and um, yeah, and the, I, there, there's a genuineness in that, and I appreciate that you said that. That there was no part of your heart that was thinking good riddance. Good riddance. No. That was thinking, I'm going to say what I'm going to say with no accountability, and if you don't like it, get out. Like you really yeah. thought through it and and loved those people, and were okay with seeing things different and just wanted a conversation and, and that was the thing I, you know, I remember beginning that message with this, you know, you know, we're going to talk about race today specifically as it applies from white people being reconcilers with the black community specifically. And there's a lot of different components to racism, but we need to talk about it that way. And I remember opening up that sermon saying, this is, you know, we're not going to be coming from a place of shame today. Mm -hmm. Like I know how much grace is needed in this conversation. I've been a part of the conversations in my from my both friends, perspectives. Yeah, they've come and they've they've shared with me like my errors and thinking. It's like I know how much grace is needed in this conversation, and uh, and so, you know, and so it's like I, but nevertheless, there's something about there's something about the race conversation, and I think there is there are seeds of racism that are a lot more subtle and hidden than people sure. want to acknowledge. And we have to acknowledge that that I is, had a very that is some of what happened. With Laura Pace. Don't say it into a microphone. I <laughs> but I, I had a very like, I mean, that whole season like made me kind of sit with some things that I was like, hey, I like, I like, I need to talk about some yeah. stuff that like, this is some sin I've, I've, I like from the past that I've noticed in me that this is bringing up, and yeah. and I don't love to acknowledge it, but hey, I'm like, let's call that what it was. That's sin. You That's know? right. Um, and that's hard to deal with. It's hard to deal with because when you feel conviction, conviction feels, <laughs> but that's it though, right? Like conviction can sometimes feel like shame in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the nuances I wanted to draw out a little bit. It's like, don't confuse any conviction we mm-hmm. might feel today with feelings of shame. There is no shame in the gospel of Christ. Like you're not labeled by that. You're not canceled. Cancellation is not a thing in the mm-hmm. gospel of Christ. There is none of that stuff. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit does come in and bring his conviction. And I think in this race conversation, there are a lot of subtleties that are deep in our hearts and things like that that still need to be exposed and eradicated in order for us to have the healing and the oneness that we really need. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to it's hard to nail down those specifics a lot of times, but you know, when that's coming out, it, it's very difficult to deal with. And so 
because you're either a racist, which is the most horrible thing in the world, or you're not. And if you're feeling any conviction, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst person in the world. And so you reject the whole thing together. And I think the constant struggle, even for believers and true believers, like is that we're unconditionally loved and we struggle with believing it. And, Mm. um, and so when we are, when we are exposed to our own darkness, like when we're exposed to our own sin, it's one of, one of the expressions I use with my kids and patients, I'm like, stop putting faces on your feelings, right? Like that every negative feeling that I have, like there's got to be a face for it because like I got to get it outside of me and it's not just like sadness or um, disappointment with myself or wh- whatever it is. Like I need to blame someone else. Like I mm. need to externalize mm-hmm. what I'm actually feeling. Mm. And I think when when that kind of stuff was happening or, or, or like that conversation was happening as I was kind of sitting with that and processing in that and because of like because I work in mental health and because I am in actively in therapy like that's that's something that I've had some experience doing like I'm like wait a second what's that feeling what's that feeling mm-hmm. like what's what's stirring in me and is this like I like my first reaction is to put it out there like to yeah. put a face on it and separate myself from that negative because I don't want to yeah. sit with because I don't want to sit right. with it because I don't want this to be a part of me that's right and but, so one of the one of the accusations I heard a lot was you called me a racist you called me a racist and I'm sitting there going I've never called you a racist. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know where that's coming from. And I was so confused by that. And I was like, I don't, I never called you that. If that's what you felt from me, I'm really, that's the last thing I wanted you to feel from me. And I'm really sorry if I made you feel that. I, I don't know how to, that was a hard one for me to process. I was like, what is going on there? And, and, but I do believe that in some cases, I can't diagnose exactly what's going on in everybody in a message like that. But in some cases we have to accept, yeah, there are roots of racism inside of us that don't want to come out. And I think that that is some of what was taking place in different elements and stuff. Well, and you said something earlier about like with racism, like this idea that it's like, I hate brown people or something like that. It's not as explicit as that. It's not as extreme as that. And I'm like this, like the thing. No one acknowledges that. Right. The thing that I shared with Laura was like just, just a lot, some weird lie that I have believed in adolescence that I don't believe now, but I remembered it. And, and yeah. I, and that like listening to that sermon and that whole conversation, not just that sermon, but like that time frame, that conversation being open was like making me kind of recognize like, wait a second, like this is like, there is something there that I need to confess. Like yeah. I need to acknowledge and confess that's wrong and isn't godly. And, um, and I'm not going to pretend like I didn't happen. Like right. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't believe this lie. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. And I, I, you know, my process. He, he rooted out a lot of. Um, I think it was dismissiveness from me, that, like I would dismiss the conversation a lot of times, early on, and I, not give it much credibility or weight, and I had no idea. The, the damage that that does to people when they're sitting there going, this is my story. Right, they're feeling this gaslighted. This is my life. They're feeling it, it, gaslighted. You're gaslighted. You don't, you're not giving any weight or credibility to it. 
And, um, like they and don't know their own experience. That's right. And so that, I mean, that was a big point of, of, uh, conviction for me early on that he rooted that out of me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm learning stories and I'm hearing what's going on. And I'm like, ah, how could I ever be so dismissive on that? And I would not like, that wouldn't, does that make me a racist or I don't, I don't know that it depends on how you define that a whole lot. I would never hate or minimize or anything like that, but nevertheless it was sin around race that needed to be addressed, addressed and dealt with. And so that was a lot of it. But, um, yeah, I, where I was, what I, I, I think somehow I, t- because I, because that's where I live on the tangent, but, uh, that idea of like this unconditional love uh, thing Mm-hmm. is that I think like that struggle in believers is that like, if I, if I'm, if I'm, the, if, if, if I say if, this is true of me. Yeah. How that, can I be loved? Right. How can I be loved? Like, and, and, and because it, culturally today you're canceled, right? Right. You're done with. Yes. I mean, if there's a picture from 1972 and you're at the wrong rally or whatever, regardless of what you're there, yeah. like you're done. Man, mm-hmm. Jerry Jones, this Jerry week. Jones knows that right now. And you're like, I don't know any of the backstory there, but you're like, holy cow. I mean, we're and believers are excited to cancel people. Mm-hmm. And like, where do we get this idea of canceling people in the gospel? Mm-hmm. Like that's completely like the opposite. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> look, call it sin, call it something that needs to be repented from. But I mean, but, I think that's mm-hmm. the thing, like to me, that's the struggle is like, what that's what I see in patients. That's what I see in me is that like, when I see sin in yeah. myself, my first tendency is to push it away from me yeah. because surely I can't be loved if that's true. Mm-hmm. That's right. I great. I really believe grace is one of the most the most difficult concepts to really, really fully embrace. Oh sure, mm-hmm. and, I, exactly, and I feel like it's a lifelong process. It's two steps it forward and one step back. It is two steps forward and one mm-hmm. step back. I don't think that. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think we arrive in the gospel, the day we believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Oh, you're we, you're like, absolutely right. I feel that deeply as a husband. I'm like. If I fail cat as a husband, if I come home and I'm a turd, mm-hmm. you know, am I, am I all this stuff? And I'm just like, if I fail her as a husband and she has every right to be mad at me. Oh my gosh. The amount of shame that I feel, mm-hmm. I, I feel an unbelievable amount of shame and it's, it takes a while for me to apologize. And I hate that about myself. I'm like, that's a terrible part. I'm like, because I don't believe I'm lovable, mm-hmm. you know, unless I've got it together mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, oh, that is the pit of hell right there, but it's there. Ooh, it's, it's, it's there. The lie it's, of the enemy. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, that's the, it. Yes. Admitting it and being exposed makes you less than unloved. But then, so many times, the op- I mean, almost every time, the opposite happens. Yeah. When I go to Kaylin and confess Please. something and say, "I'm like, I'm sorry. I acted this way. I I'm I said this. I don't even know where that came from." And you get grace. And I get grace, and like we're closer on the other that's side right. of that. And usually, it's Kalen, so he's like, "Yeah, no big deal." <laughs> that's, that's what I want. when I confessed to Laura. That's what I wanted, but what I got was laughter <laughs> because it wasn't that big of a deal. That's but it was. It, but but like it was, but it was just like anyway. Laura laughed in my face, like which that's felt awesome. like unconditional love, like. Of course, yeah. I, I know yes. who you are. Yes. Like I, right. know, I know who you are, and that crappy lie that you believed when you were 14 years old mm-hmm. is not who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. Well, and and that's so. I do think so many times when people, every time when people are responding from their insecurity, it's not going to be a healthy response. It's not going to be a response that is honoring to who they really want to be. Mm-hmm. And everybody gets reactive and goes into their corners and clinches yeah. in their position. And that was what was, that was sad as a church member to see what was happening yeah. and heartbreaking or to imagine, or kind to of imagine. imagine what was happening. That yeah. was like, what that was, was the thing. Saying. Everybody's yeah. imagining. Everybody's like, I was getting so. What is going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, people. I mean, people were. They're like, did Aaron steal money from the church? Did he have <laughs> yeah. an affair? Did mm-hmm. he do? And, you know, we go to the most extreme things. I mean, people were texting Cat those questions and stuff, and and she's like, You said no. we need to love and listen. How dare you? Sir? I know, right? I'm like, I apologize. No, no humility. No listening. Um, yeah, but I mean, people were asking her about, it, and you're like, "What in the world?" No, and all you can do is communicate through online media. You're like, "That's mm-hmm. a terrible modem." Oh, sure. But uh, you try to do the best you can with that and stuff. So, and and you know, you've been saying recently that um, DBC is about better, not bigger. Yeah. But it is neat to see that lots of people are coming through those doors. Yeah. Like that. That in the wake of all of that. When churches feels, are dying. Yeah, right. it feels like a really yeah. healthy, thriving community. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, you... I, I think there's this like massive overlap in between yeah. 1015 and 1045 because people want to see each other. The both right. services want to well, see and, each other. And, and, what, and... I, what I love about that, which is that it's like, um, I remember a couple of months ago, maybe it was two weeks ago, maybe it was four years ago. <laughs> Who's to say? But... Laura and I had a very awkward, I don't know what you would call it, in front of Annie. I don't, a disagreement. I don't even know if it was a disagreement. What, what would you, I don't, how? Uh, a confrontation. A com- yes. Okay. So Laura and I had like a confrontation conversation in front of Annie, who seemed like she was maybe dying a thousand deaths. She wanted to be one with the couch. <laughs> oh my God. But what is true about like that conversation, the idea of reliving that conversation makes me want to die a thousand deaths. <laughs> However, like the fact that you and I have had some conversations and not the one where I confess my racism, mm-hmm. um, cause like that one wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. I, that was like one of the easier conversations mm-hmm. that I've had, but, but like the, the depth of our friendship because of our ability to sit in a conflict with one another, mm-hmm. right? Like that does something for a relationship. Yeah. And that's what's so cool to me about what I think happened with our church is that we sat in an awkward conversation yeah. where we did not agree or see it the same way or all did we, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it was like, and what happens on the other side of that right. is unity. That's right. And so I think that was, you asked how we get through it. And I'm like, there were definitely dark mm-hmm. valleys and stuff that were sad. And, and and then you look up and you see the fruit that's coming out of different things. And so we had a lot of meetings. We started going around, since we couldn't get a pulse on what was really being said and felt, we started going around to small groups, talking with them. We had great conversations with a lot of them. Even some of the ones that were angry and upset, we had great meetings with them and um, and a lot of restoration came out of that. And I'm like, there's joy here. And we're bro- there's brother and sisterhood right here. And 
And, uh, and well, there's just something really beautiful about like, I'm like, for someone I don't care about, I'm not having that conversation. That That's like right. I'm not having that conversation. I'm just That's I'm just right. You walk don't away. care, then you're slipping out the back door. Right. And well, never I, there's saying no way I'm doing anything. that. Like that, like mm-hmm. that's and, freaking and awkward. So like that, you know, and that did happen, right? There's people that I thought we, there was a relationship with that slip out and you know and you discover it later on because everybody's online, you're not seeing people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that, that that's really really tough. But then you start seeing, even in pandemic, people are getting saved. Even in pandemic, there's these these great things that are taking place. And then the doors are opened, and people are getting confident again. And there's new faces all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so there's sadness of the ones that are not there, and there's joy over new people. And I was mm-hmm. like, and that's one of the things I expressed to the elders is they were awesome um, and coming and and we banded together really close, uh, during, during that time. And I was just like, it's a roller coaster of emotions. There's extreme sadness. There's extreme joy, um, on any given day. And, and I mean, like, I, do you, I, do you feel that way, Laura? Like, at, like within our life group, like our, like me, like what our life group looked like pre COVID mm-hmm. to now. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Well, and I, I generally, our, our life group from beginning to now, just when you weather storms together and different seasons, whether they're hard or awkward or sad, um, or easy, um, I think it, it knits you together in a different way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love, I, I, I love better and quality, mm-hmm. but you know. We want people there. Which yeah, is so and so great the, too. the better, the better. I said better before bigger. Not so. That's the thing that kind of came up this past year as we're thinking about. All right, what do we do with our campus and some of the different limitations that are on it? And you know, that's a conversation that stemmed back a few years ago, as uh, you know, even before pandemic, those space issues were right there. That's when it really peaked, and then pandemic happened. And you're like, ah, we don't need to do anything about this, and so. <laughs> God bought us um, some time. Yeah, got us a little bit of time right there, and then we're like, I don't, I don't know if people are going to come back afterwards or not. They and, did, but, and mm-hmm. they did, and it's fantastic, and we praise God for that. And um, but, you know, you know, I came to a point where it's like I think that there's, it, it's exactly what I told the church and stuff. I, this commitment to we've got to pursue being a better church before we're a bigger one. We do want growth. We do want to continue reaching new people and duplicating and being missional and stuff, but not at the expense. There is a way to do that that is that is very shallow, superficial, that mm-hmm. does not make healthy disciples. Coming out of pandemic, I kept having this conviction that, uh, my gosh, we have missed este- building healthy disciples. The amount of, there's, there's a, the cultural Christianity that has not dug deep roots is very damaging to the credibility of our gospel witness, to the health of our church long-term. And, we, and came out of that going, man, I think it's easy for people to jump into the church and to get into a Sunday service and hear a service on Revelation or Daniel or Hezekiah, whatever it may be. And they're like, I don't know what we're doing here. And they're in the church five, 10 years from now, and they've never established the mm-hmm. foundations of the faith. And that's what came out of that series was sure. this. We have to make sure that we are healthy, vibrant disciples of Christ. They're going to be lasting forever. So... Yeah. 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 So. Jess tried to mouth something to me and I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's it, we can we'll, cut, we'll this cut part. that in post. 
No. So yes, we can cut that. But I, I, I don't think I, you've never presented it like you're opposed to more people. Yeah. But the focus is deeper. The focus is the focus is on doing is on reaching this community and being the most efficient we can mm-hmm. with the resources that God's given to us. Yeah. And so there's a lot of great megas in town, um, and not interested in becoming that. Mm-hmm. There are different churches. Mm-hmm. And so megas do great things. Mm-hmm. They often do them with exceptional quality across the board. Um, there are weaknesses and things you cannot do in megas. Mm-hmm. Same thing with medium-sized churches like ours and everything else. And so I think that there's a unique thing that we have going for us being in the neighborhood we are, surrounded by communities. Mm-hmm. We're not off of highways. Most 85% mm-hmm. of our church comes from a six-mile radius of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, their kids go to school together. Community is natural, and um, it's a real, authentic community. Typically at DBC, over 80% of our average attendance is involved in a small group, which is absurd. You know, meaning that there's a hunger for real connection and life. Mm-hmm. And we believe in discipleship happens best in real intentional relationships. And so we're like, this is the thing that God's given us to do. We can focus on be, be establishing healthy um, believers, mm-hmm. strong believers that are committed to Christ long term, that have strong foundations. And we're going to go after that before building the next mega. Um, I, I think you sacrifice things sometimes. And mm-hmm. there's this thing where you can come into our church now and you you don't get lost in the back row. You don't get lost in the hallways. Right. You're seen, you're known. And the moment that you do build that bigger, you lose that intimacy mm-hmm. in some ways. And so um, I felt a lot of confirmation this year to just be okay and to say, look, we're going to pursue being a better church before a bigger one. Mm-hmm. And so these plans that we have are all about that. It is about there's some classroom space, it's kids' spaces, since we don't have enough kids' spaces with all of the different, our kids have just blown up at the church. Uh, outdoor connection, food pantry, which is a ministry mm-hmm. you've heard me talk about a thousand times. It's exploded during pandemic. I, I think Molly said that Hank's class, now, now Hank's in the youth, but Hank was in that fifth, sixth grade class. Oh, uh, yeah. Our fourth and fifth grade mm-hmm. class, and they were like... 50 kids. That's right. That yeah. Classroom. Kat goes back there and teaches on the second hour. There's like 54th and gra- fifth graders in that classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, that's just one Holy hour. Smokes. There's another yeah. one in the first hour. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. like, it's absurd. And so, but that's what we are about. We passing on the faith from one generation to the next. And so, um, yeah, we want to go after that. And if God gives us more land in the future, like the fields next door, or the grocery mm-hmm. store, then, you know, we'll prayerfully adapt and, you know, pay attention and mm-hmm. see what that may be. But, um, I don't, I've seen the mega thing. There's a lot of difficulty that comes with that, that I'm like, it's just not enticing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, amen. it's not enticing. I have to pray all the time. Lord, give me just enough encouragement to let me know that I'm going the right way. Give me just enough mm-hmm. criticism and critique to keep me humble and dependent upon you. Everything mm-hmm. else, let it fly past. Yeah. And there's something about being on a stage and the bigger the stage, it is, it's enticing mm-hmm. and it's seductive mm-hmm. and uh, it can easily grab your heart and warp it. And, you know, well, and you're, I, I, I would, I imagine that, I mean, you, you see that in even local, like local mega pastors where it's like, there, there's a trap there too. Like, there is. Now I want to be careful with that because yeah. it's like, there's, 
it's not the same for everybody. I know no. unbelievably healthy, awesome, like vibrant. I look Abs- up to you, mega pastors, Absolutely. mega churches. Like, you know, uh-huh. you know, I'm an Irving Bible girl. Oh like, yeah, I uh, mean, like a lot it, of affection for that church. Andy I love McQuitty it. is. I mean, I mean, and Andy's the one that told me that line. He said Dallas doesn't need bigger churches; they need better mm-hmm. ones. Oh sure, and, and I, I mean, and like, I was like, he, I, thank he you was for that. so even. And Kyle and I were there in the transition from be- becoming a medium sized church to a mega church, oh. and um. I mean, Andy McQuitty is the same person today that he was That's right. 25 years mm-hmm. ago. Like, I am I mean, yeah, he's the same and so, person. And like, so that's what I kind of, you know, sometimes there's, a, I think sometimes the megas get vilified unfairly. Sure. And I, I hate that because I'm like, man, watermark. I'm like, there is a tremendous amount of stuff that I respect. And I'm looking at that. And I'm like, that is fruitful, awesome, incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. I know they're pastors and they're exceptionally godly faithful people and i honor them big time mm-hmm. that's why i go out every july and visit a ton of different churches i love seeing what god's mm-hmm. doing all around the city and he does it in small churches medium-sized churches and big ones mm-hmm. and i'm like god is moving and there's dysfunction in each size too mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> you know so yeah sure because there's people so, there yeah and <laughs> oh, so i'm like look that's oh, right there's I th- people I think you might have hit the and there's nail people the leading it <laughs> there's people leading it mm-hmm. and and by the way, sin is enticing. Uh-huh. You can start off really healthy and with great intentions and easily get tricked and your heart begins to warp sure. and you begin to think much of yourself. And what started off pure and holy became something dysfunctional uh-huh. and terrible in the end. And so, uh, yeah. And so it would have to be a, it would have to be a clear God is in this thing to become bigger or different uh-huh. from what we are right now. It's not something I, I really want. Um, yeah. But I do want to be faithful. I do want to make healthy, strong disciples, be missional, reaching the lost and far away. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that that's um, that's reflected in what you've said and how how you've said you're praying. Um, yeah. Well, we so appreciate you coming yeah. on. Um, Jess very subtly just gave me the. That's it's what time. I was kind of trying to tell you. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, this is well, a long one, wasn't it? It was, but it's so <laughs> no, it's, it's so good. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I was teasing earlier that um, like we have this gotcha moment, but. You you came in willingly, ready to talk about the hard stuff mm-hmm. in our in our church. You're you're not trying to exist in um, in secrecy about that. I think um, I don't know. I just appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on and the being honest and being the transparency and being able to say, mm-hmm. I didn't do it great. There's things I do different, and and there are some things I really stand by. I even think the piece about like that you didn't that you weren't glad to see those people go. That's, that's vulnerable to say, I was yeah. very sad to see people leave. So I just appreciate you coming on and being honest. Well, well thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And, uh, uh, we also are like so grateful for you. Like, I mean, personally, like uh, you've been such a cheerleader for this ministry that mm. is so dear to Laura and I, and I just like, as, a, um, as as a woman, I just I'm it's 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 so honoring um, the way that the leadership in our church has like championed the stories of the women in our church, mm. and and I I just I just I just love that you just kind of I feel like happened upon it, and then um, I, to me you've been a cheerleader, and that we we just appreciate that. Well, I think it's fantastic. I don't think we do a good enough job telling stories, and you guys have come in and started doing it, and I think it's exceptional. And so I'm really grateful to you guys for serving and using you know what you guys do so well 
Um, it's building the church. It's helping tell these praise God stories because they're in there all the time. Mm-hmm. They're just not always amplified, you know, and they need more resources. So thank yeah. you guys for doing that. And uh, we would not be the church we are today without you guys doing mm-hmm. that. And so, well, it's been, a, it's been a labor of love for both of us. And like I said, we, like, we're like, we really are um, honored by you and we love like doing like doing these man sessions has been fun <laughs> for us too because it's like uh, it never even occurred to us that the men in our church would listen to this podcast mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah. Um and and that's what like how how like how happening. honoring is that to the women mm-hmm. that like men, we're not even doing it need, for you. Men and, need women's voices. Mm. They do. But I just, and I mean, like how many, how many men that have come up to us, and I know that's because of you and Jeff and Warren who, who, who speak about it. And I, and it's like, it's, it's just really neat mm-hmm. to me because we don't, we promote it as the women's podcast for the women's ministry uh, and for the men to, to listen to that. I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. that's just so, um, just so respectful of the women in our church. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I pray for the day that it's normalized and that um, it's not men or women's things as people listening mm-hmm. to one another and recognizing the giftedness and the value that's there because, um, man, but that's not every church. It's mm-hmm. not, and it's not, it's not, honestly, it's not fully us mm-hmm. right now. And, um, but we need it. We mm-hmm. need it. And we're not quite there. That. Anyway, we probably, we, need to, we, we probably need to cut that part. That's the conversation we'll, to set off the we'll, pandemic. We'll see. I mean, you yeah. know what? Sometimes I like, like sometimes I'm like, you know what? The truth. We're just gonna let it ride. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. But we do appreciate you, and we're so grateful that you uh, came and agreed to talk to us, and just agreed to be transparent that was that was really a gift to our church so thank you and thank you guys for listening to embarrassment of riches 